0: If you have it, you don't need it. If you need it, you don't have it. If you have it, you need more of it. If you have more of it, you don't need less of it. You need it to get it. And you certainly need it to get more of it. But if you don't already have any of it to begin with, you can't get any of it to get started, which means you really have no idea how to get it in the first place, do you? you can share it sure you can even stockpile it if you'd like but you can't fake it wanting it needing it wishing for it the point is if you've never had any of it ever people just seem to know come inside ignore the strange stickiness of the carpet beneath your feet Find the right seat, the one without the missing arm and the exposed springs. Pull the candy bar out of your inside coat pocket. Look at the color swirls the canned music plays. Wait for the lights to go down. Listen for the telltale clacking of film being pulled through the gate. Relax. Watch. Because we all feel better, better, in the dark, dark. This is the official Better in the Dark Spoiler Warning. The following episode contains discussion of recent films in detail, including the revelation of key plot points and even endings. If you plan on seeing these films and don't want these things revealed, turn off the damn podcast now. You have been warned, and it's your own fool fault if your expectations of being surprised are crushed beyond repair. If you don't particularly care, however, (laughs) well, cool! BITD makes you feel you're a savvy viewer with cult appeal. But when they see something really bad, they fight and fight with one liners. The amazing power of BITD. I got nothing. That. That, oh, that. that was good. That was good.
1: that, that. that
0: isn't a big enough hit that what we're going to be covering today. Yeah, which
1: you guys have been waiting on, we've seen it, and we're going to give you our review of
0: Iron Man. That's right. But anyway, for those of you who are wondering, what the fuck is going on here? I'm Tom DJ. And I'm Derek Ferguson. And this is Better in the Dark. Because a lot of you out there are probably too
1: young to remember the Marvel superhero mm-hmm. show. That was the version of the Iron Man theme song, which is one of the best theme song. I mean, right. everybody remembers that one. And Tony Stark, Stark, he makes, makes you feel. feel, he's a cool and apparently <laughs> the <heart> of
0: steel. <laughs> John Favreau remembered it because it is a <laughs> little
1: I want to get the soundtrack just to get that version <laughs> of it. That thing was so, when he was walking through yep. the casino <laughs> with his bodyguards, I said, oh man, that's a, we'll get to that later on. Anyway, this
0: is our periodic review show. You'll notice that the preview show is gone, gone, gone. Gone, gone, gone. Because, quite frankly, we hated how to do all the work. The good thing. Well, actually, Tom had to do all the work. Uh-huh. Tom was the guy that went on Rotten
1: Tomatoes. RottenTomatoes.com, and yes. he went and he did all in the work. A lot of people said that just go ahead and just see the damn movies, and just review to right. get it over. Well,
0: with. the so. good thing about this is that we're no longer confined by that. Preview episode as to what we can cover because we're going to be covering stuff today that we would not have put in the preview episode. Oh, yeah. Also, we were allowed to go back and forth in time,
1: and this show is an organic thing. It, it mm-hmm. keeps growing, it keeps evolving.
0: We keep moving stuff around. Frankly, to suit our whim. So before we get into all the review, and we got a lot of reviews to get to. Yeah, we got a lot.
1: This episode. we got folks. something
0: else. We got because if it's a review show, there must be email email email
1: so let's get right to it the first
0: one is from our good buddy mr michael david sims over at earth2.net hey mike
1: Uh, mike what's going on and he
0: writes hey guys i was listening to episode 29 another great show thank you and i wanted to thank you for pointing listeners towards earth2.net at one point you mentioned my goal is to have a new podcast on this site every day of the week well we're two steps closer Recently, we add The Amazing Podcast, which airs every other Wednesday. It takes the slot, the alternate week that World's Finest doesn't. Oh, okay. And focuses on anime and manga. Then, coming in May, it's For Your Ears Only, a monthly show all about 007 himself, James Bond. Listed <laughs> For Your Ears Only, the second Thursday of every month, starting May 8th. In fact, I listened to that last night. Okay. And it's up to the usual Earth2.net standards. and oh,
1: okay. I'll have to give it a listen later on today after we finish.
0: And that's just the start. Several more Earth2.net podcasts will debut later this year. But there's still a secret. Shh. Yes, he actually wrote... Mm. Two corrections, however. One, the show James and I host is actually called World's Finest Podcast, not just World's Finest. Now I stand corrected. Okay. Two, though Jenny and I have been together 11 years, we're neither engaged or married. Yeah, we're odd like that. <laughs> Speaking of which, does anyone know of a good term for couples like us? We're not dating, so we're not boyfriend and girlfriend. Shack it up. But we're also not husband <laughs> and wife. Shack. Partner is too, Shacking up. Partner is too businesslike. <laughs> Lover is too informal and weird. Spouse isn't quite right. And companion is too doctor who. Sorry, couldn't resist. Little help? Cheers, Michael Davidson. I do have some help, because you and I have talked about this. They've uh-huh. been together for 11 years. So in pretty much every state of the union, they have the right to call themselves husband and wife. Yeah, they are Because they're, they're yeah. common-law they're common they're husband, common, common
1: husband and wife. I think in New York it's, what, like seven years? It's yeah. Seven years yeah. is generally the yeah. standard. Yeah. Yeah, been, so yeah.
0: even though you're not formally married, Michael, you have the right to call Jenny your wife.
1: If you drop dead, she gets the house, the car, yeah.
0: everything. <laughs> yeah, she... acknowledge that you guys have spent such a long time together that... You might as well. You know, so if you have been together that long... But we'll throw it out to the viewers. If anybody has another alternate, besides, sh- up besides shacking up up, common law husband and wife, <laughs> let us know here at dark at gmail.com. Oddly enough, okay. our second and last email is also from another member of the happy, peppy, earth2.net family.
1: Okay. Our
0: other good friend, Mr. Desmond Reddick.
1: What's he got to say?
0: Tom and Derek. I mentioned it on the show, but I wanted to email and let you know that I really appreciate the kind words you fellows bestowed upon me, DM, and E to the show. Especially DM, since that's my baby. Just put the check in the mail. to latest show. I blushed. Aww. Just
1: put the check in the
0: mail, we'll call it square. When I saw you were covering the films of Dennis Quaid, I thought it was interesting you were going to be covering a favorite actor. Something I'll actually be doing in a few episodes, I hope. As that's not something a lot of podcasts do. But Dennis Quaid, I said to myself, incredulously... During the show, I was reminded about how much I actually loved the man as well. Enemy Mine is brilliant. Great Balls of Fire is the archetype for all biopics to follow. Any given Sunday, yes, I like it, but I don't give a shit about sports. Postcards from the Edge was as fun as nihilism can get. And, of course, Wyatt Earp was only suffered from its proximity to Tombstone. I'll overlook Jaws 3D. Insert vomit sounds. I would be honored to combo cast with you guys sometimes in the summer if you're interested. We can make an episode of Better in the Dread or Dreader in the Dark. <laughs> Again, love the show. Desmond. Thanks a lot, Desmond.
1: Actually, we got a lot of nice response on Dennis Quaid. And, and that show. was
0: one because of the lack of response to the sports episode. I was a little worried about uh-huh. going in. Yeah. But it seems like people loved it. We always
1: try to do something different from what other movie podcasts are doing, not to knock them anything like that. Yeah. Out. Why should anybody listen to us if we're doing the same thing as everybody else? Exactly. So, you know, that's, and both me and Tom liked the Dennis Quaid episode. And frankly, we do things that we like. So we and say, I can well, only tell now. you,
0: after seeing those promo pics for G.I. Joe, I'm all fired up. Oh, you up. saw them, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. all fired up. As
1: far as George 3D go, I agree with you, Desmond, about... Door 3D, I make vomit noises too, mm-hmm. but I can't resist watching it when it comes on because it's got one of my favorite 80s actresses, Bess Armstrong, and I love anything that she does. So I sit and I do suffer through Door 3D when they show it infrequently on TV. So, Although TBS used to run it a lot. We have a plug. I have a plug. If any of you guys out there like Pulp Style Action Adventure, and I know that a lot of you do, and you like reading that type of stuff. And some talented gentlemen have a site called Pulpburg Press. And I say with no modesty whatsoever that I'm mm-hmm. one of them. It's got novels mm-hmm. that are written by Joel Jenkins. It's got like Dire Planet, which is a Edgar Rice Burroughs type of John Carter type adventure with an Earth man going to another planet. And Josh Reynolds, who you know. Yes. He writes what I like to call Southern fried horror mm-hmm. <laughs> stories that are set in the South and horror stories. Then there's me. What you want to do is go on over to H.T.T. Semicolas backslash. backslash backslash www.freewebs.com backslash pulpwork backslash. And when you go there, you'll find all of the books that are written so far by both Josh and Joel and myself. And we've got freebies, we've got excerpts from stories and all kinds of goodness. Sign up for the mailing list, sign up on the forum. That's our plug for
0: this episode. Are we ready to dive into the reviews? Let's go into the reviews, and we start with, you saw something that I talked about last review episode, which is The Mist. Right. This DVD release that they just put out was relatively interesting, that they had a version that Frank Darabont considers his preferred version, the black and white. Yeah, the black and white
1: version. I saw, after I got out of the hospital, because for those of you who don't know, I recently was in the hospital. I'm okay mm-hmm. now. I'm fine. But you had told me about The Mist before I went in, so I made it a point To rent it afterwards. And I saw the color version with my wife. And the next day Mm -hmm. I watched the black and white version.
0: Because you told me. It was a very different film in in its
1: way. And actually I remember years ago reading. What Stephen King had said when he was writing The Mist. Mm -hmm. That he was visualizing in his head. As a black and white movie from the 50's. Which is what I felt like when I was watching the black and white version. Mm -hmm. It's just as good as the color version but in a different type of way, like a 1950s kind of way. Right. I did feel like I was watching the 1950s. I mean, I like it. I know a lot of people today, they don't like One Black White. One of the things white.
0: I did like about the Black and White version is it concealed some of the flaws in the CGI The monster. CGI monster, yeah.
1: Especially... At and, the very
0: beginning, the, and I think the me, technical things. And I
1: think, me, you talked about this, that... The insects, hmm. the flying bugs, while they was really creepy. Yeah. They weren't especially scary. I like the... I like the spider. The
0: spider, the skull-headed spider's better. I like
1: the Lovecraftian tentacle beastie that mm. got the busboy at the Yeah, right. I like the fact that you only saw the tentacle. I like it much better that they didn't go all crazy with the CGI and give us this right. huge... We just saw the tentacle, so you say, well, damn, what the hell is it attached to? I thought the acting... For a movie of this type, it was a lot mm-hmm. better than it really needed to be. Marcia Gay Harden as a crazy Christian lady that mm-hmm. rallies everybody. Although you know, some because this movie takes place like what over like three days. I really don't think that she could get that many people converted
0: mm-hmm. to her
1: that fast. But then again, the movie is more about which is what I was discussing with my wife and discussing with you. Right. That it's really not about the monsters. It's a
0: classic it's, Romero style. Right. We fuck it up for it's humanity. It's about how
1: people break down under pressure. Right. Take away people's cell phones and their refrigerators and the dishwashers and the indoor plumbing, we can revert to some savages real mm-hmm. quickly. And that's exactly what the people in this movie does. I mean, it gets to the point where they talk about human sacrifice. Right. Throw them out! <laughs> they take the poor soldier yeah. and they throw him, yeah.
0: Our, our good friends at Drunken Zombie <laughs> speculated about this at the ending, which we should get into at this point because it's still too close to when it was first released, that the ending happened because the one character who did not give up hope mm-hmm. gives up hope. Speaking of the ending, not to give anything away, but I am surprised because
1: that's a much bleaker ending than the Stephen mm-hmm. King. Story. The original
0: novella's ending is more akin to the birds.
1: This ending that's in his movie, I'm really surprised that the studio let him get away with it. But I guess based on his past track record, his success. Mm-hmm. With Stephen King adaptations, this is right up there with the Shawshank Redemption yeah. and Green Mile, and
0: that's the one thing I think we can point good, out yeah. is that uh, we worried a lot about whether Aravant would be able to cover something like this, which is much more. This, a ho- this is a much more conventional Stephen right, King horror movie.
1: Right? He committed himself admirably. I was pleasantly surprised. He really toned down the horror aspects of it, and he dealt much more with the people in the situation and how society breaks down so quickly mm-hmm. under a little... Which really
0: was a little bit of
1: pressure. People in Brooklyn, they would have went out there and yeah. they would have kicked every monster ass in <laughs> <laughs> the real difference
0: between the way that the people react in The Mist the way the people reacted in Cloverfield. Because in a way, they're very similar films. Yeah. They're films about this horrific event told from the civilian eye view. Right,
1: as opposed to scientists or soldiers. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot, and I recommend all of you. If you haven't mm-hmm. seen it yet, go see it. And by all means, get the two discs... Right. Version, because that's the one that has the black and white in it. Watch the color version, then a day or so
0: later on, watch the black and white version and compare it for yourself. Mm-hmm. We're going to do one more that we both saw on DVD. Okay. Which is one that we were looking forward to very, very, very much around the holiday time. Mm-hmm. Which was, of course, Tim Burton, Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Mm-hmm.
1: Starring his favorite actor, sure. Johnny Depp. Johnny
0: Depp, who's become the uh, Robert De Niro. Right. And, of course, his other favorite actor, because uh, he married her, Helena Bonham Carter. Carter, yeah. And you and I have talked about this. As much as I don't understand her appeal, you got to give her mad props for the fact that she is just fearless. The so part caused for her to look like crap, she's going to look like crap.
1: This is set in London during, what, like the 18th century? The 18th century? yeah, like the late half of the 18th century. Yeah. Based
0: on a penny dreadful from, I think it was like 1885, I want to say. It's more precisely... The musical was based on a version of this Penny Dreadful, Mm -hmm. a theatrical version done by the infamous Todd Slaughter, who was this incredibly over-the-top British actor Mm -hmm. who specialized in doing the equivalent-like monogram here in the States, where he would do these cheap, cheap, skid-row-level horror movies where he would play various miscreants and madmen. Okay. Set in the later half of the Victorian era.
1: And see, back then... They didn't have beauty parlors, mm-hmm. or if they did, they were just for the rich. They were for people that could afford it. Mm-hmm. Most of the women walked around looking like skanks, and mm-hmm. that's what she looks like in this yeah. movie. You know, that any other actress would have Doll done the role, but she would have come out with perfect coiffed hair yeah. and makeup. You no, know, Helen part Carter looks like a wreck in this movie. Yeah, you know? well, she's supposed to look like an
0: older woman
1: until she starts making money, until she yeah. shops, and then you see that she does look a little bit better. She starts wearing better clothes, and her hair is mm-hmm. done. But for like most of the movie, she goes through looking like you look at her. You say, "Damn, bro, right. what's wrong?"
0: the one thing that struck me when I saw this I think we had some discussion about whether they were going to have the courage to do this it is a full on musical yeah yeah. it is unapologetically a musical Mm -hmm. because they never mentioned it in the advertising for the film no they never mentioned it which made me wonder if they had Cut all the music But no It is A full on musical Yeah They got music in there Right from the first moment Where we see Sweeney Todd On the boat With his best friend Yeah And they do that duet About London The kid is all Full of optimism And mm-hmm. hope. And, and, and his, his whole thing say, Is like There's a town in the world With the great back pit And all the people Are of full them. of shit That's his
1: whole thing You can't blame the guy Because he was sent Unjustly to Australia. Yeah. To well, we learn in,
0: in Backstory that yeah. his wife, who was beautiful... He sings about it. Yeah, he, and he and talks, talks about there that, was this wife and she was beautiful. He sings about it six or seven times yeah. in the movie,
1: how beautiful she was. How beautiful, beautiful
0: was. she was. Was coveted by the evil Judge Turpin. Played by our good friend, friend Alan, Alan Rickman. Rickman. Yeah. Who frames... He frames Sweeney. Benjamin man. Barker. No, right, real is name, is his name. Frames man. Benjamin, sends him away to Australia, and then invites the wife to a party rapes her and drives her mad right then he then takes the daughter takes the
1: daughter and raises the daughter raises the daughter yeah
0: uh, with the intention of eventually marrying marrying her which is kind of creepy now you know
1: something i got to point out something about Smitty Todd, something that I've noticed in a lot of other musicals, Mm -hmm. such as Pennies from Heaven with Steve Martin and Bernadette Peters and West Side Story.
0: If you take the music out of a lot of Mm -hmm. these movies, you couldn't watch them because they're so grim and horrible. horrible. Even the music in this one is pretty grim, because you've got this constant, the whole thing about the Great Town London, which is repeated a couple of times, you've got all these different songs about death and destruction Uh, and rape, even one of the two genuinely humorous songs in the film... It's about cutting people up and making them into meat pies. Well, meat pies,
1: which is what the whole thing is about. Sweeney Todd, he opens up a barbershop above Mrs. Mrs. Lovitz, Lovitz
0: who, who turns out has been waiting for him because she has had this amazing unrequited crush. She's had her. the
1: whim for him, yeah, ever since he left. She's got the reputation of making the worst meat, meat pies, pies in, in London. London.
0: They hit on this horrible partnership. Not at first, because first, of course, they come across Pirelli, who turns out to be Sweeney's uh, old apprentice. apprentice when he was who, been Barber, right, who tries to blackmail Sweeney and Ooh. then they have to go, Oh, how are we going to get rid of the body? <laughs> and that's when and the they, idea "Who?" Hmm. That's the thing that's established very early on is that meat is is at a premium. It's very expensive to get meat, which is why she makes the worst pies right. in London,
1: because she doesn't have any meat to put in the meat pies. Yeah,
0: until and the thing that's I find fascinating about Depp's performance in this is that he just gets more and more bug fucked by every minute.
1: And he's a barber. We
0: only see him actually give one person a shave in the and movie. That's, in the, towards the, beginning, that's in the first act. Yeah, he's a barber that never barbers anybody. He just cuts their throat. You would think that at some point, people would be going, huh, people come in and they don't come out from that barber shop. I think I won't go there. I'm sure that these people say, well, I'm on my way to get a haircut. and they, But then again, this. Back then,
1: London was a pretty dangerous place.
0: At first, you're understanding his motivations and what he's planning on doing, what he's going to do. Right. And then you realize just how deranged he is. Because at first, it's like, I just want to kill the judge. And it's, I just want to kill the judge and the people associated with him. Right. And it's like, I just want to kill people who remind me of the judge. And it's, I'll just kill everybody.
1: Well, it's like, he can't get to the judge, so he's got to do
0: something right. with his anger. So he just
1: goes around killing everybody, indiscriminately. The movie, the production values, of course, in the Tim Burton movie,
0: it's... Truncated. That was one of my favorite Broadway musicals. Right, right. When I was a teenager, there are a couple of numbers that are in the Broadway musical that are not in the yeah. movie. But for all intents and purposes, it is the musical. But
1: I did see the one that they did on Broadway with Angela Lansbury, mm-hmm. when she played Mrs. Lovett. Right. And there were some songs I remember that was in the stage version that are not in this. You know, and okay.
0: there's one thing that was kind of missing from this version is that you got the impression with the Lynn Carrey, Lynn Andrew, Carrey, that's the guy, Angela Lansbury right, version, I that, that there was an age gap between Lovett and Sweeney that she had been lusting after this this younger man whereas there's obviously more contemporaries here
1: in the stage version they weren't played by older actors I think they were in their 50s yeah. when they
0: did this And this... I think that Angela Lansbury was at the beginning of her 60s at that time
1: so we've got older people here whereas in the movie version they're younger
0: we're talking younger. about people in their 40s yeah and the thing about the production values it's another one of these films and you and I talked about this is a thing that Burton likes to do a lot where he almost creates two separate worlds yeah In his films, we always enter the films through the mundane world where everything is kind of washed out and dull colors and an emphasis on grays and blacks and and browns. And then when the entropic element comes in, Mm -hmm. it's almost oversaturated with its color. Right. When he does his first murder, the blood is so bright. It's so bright because our eyes have gotten used to
1: this right. washed out black and gray world that we're looking at. Right. You actually you say, jumped. oh shit. Yeah. Because it is kind of startling. Notice that the judge's house... It's very colorful. Yeah. In contrast to his dark nature. Mm-hmm. And then there's a fantasy sequence where Mrs. Lovett... Well, when Lovett, he
0: does the flashback, they're colored, but they're a little... Almost like watercolors. So it's sunshine, yeah. and
1: everybody's bright and smiling. Everything is kind to. of pastel. When there's a fantasy sequence where Mrs. Lovett is talking about, well, they're going yes, to the get married, and they're going to go live by the sea. Right. That's very colorful. Mm-hmm. There's this brilliant blue sky, whereas when we're in London, it's always overcast, but right. Right. it's nighttime. So those are the only times that we do see color. And you're right, but... That that selective use of color that Burton uses,
0: it comes out that much more when we do see right. it, because we've done gotten used to this dark, Shit. dingy London. It comes off much more shocking than a lot of like legitimate horror films. Exactly, yeah. Because of the oversaturatedness Mm-hmm. Of the carnage, and there are a number of great performances here. Alan Rick. Oh, of Alan, well, if You want to get somebody British and evil? You get Alan Rick. Get Alan Rick. And there's that one wonderful scene where we finally learn just how truly depraved and wrong this man is mm-hmm. when he's had the, the sailor come in and sit with him, and he's like, oh, would you like to look at my pornography? Yeah. yeah. And would you like? To, and yeah. he just, and <laughs> he's, he's got a whole porn room. You know? Yes. He <laughs> takes him to this room. He realizes it's his pornography collection, <laughs> and he ends up. Beating the guy half to death, oh. and then you've got like Timothy Spall as Beetle Bamford, right. who it looks like he just came out of one of those old school political cartoons. I mean, he's like a grotesque in human form.
1: Yeah, he's got these really skinny, spindly legs and weird shaped yeah. torso. I don't know how much of that is him or makeup. I hope a lot of it is makeup. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: I want to particularly point out Sasha Barrett Cohen. Who plays Pirelli?
1: Who was in the movie Borat? He, he wrote, he yeah. directed it, he started That's a movie I couldn't stand. Yeah. I hated Borat.
0: And but I think that in this, I, the casting of him was very canny because he, at first, is playing a broad caricature, much like Borat was. Right. Much like Ali G was. And then when he drops the facade and becomes this very sinister figure. That
1: was very effective. I have to admit that I liked his performance. In this. But you had told me beforehand, yeah. you, had, you said, oh, he's really good. And some other people had told me really I said, I, I don't believe it. But I really liked his performance in this movie. I love the scene where they have the shaving contest. Yes,
0: which is the other comedic moment that they retain from the uh, so, the Oh, and you got take, take it. the style. Well, <laughs> you got to take. It. it scares me that I remember so many of these lyrics from way back when when I actually studied the libretto because I wanted to play Sweeney Todd.
1: And Sweeney Todd is just taking his time yes. and he's mixing up the uh, lotion. He's just taking his time and the guy's over there and he's cutting the guy and it's like Sweeney, the Italian right. guy. He's over there, and Sweeney. Todd, all you hear? Is, and now I have to and, then zoom, zoom. and all you hear is. Yep. And the guy's sitting there and he's yes. like, Sweetie I like, cut him in like three seconds. What I could have done without, though, yeah. is the subplot with the sailor falling in love with Sweet mm-hmm. Sweetie Tyson's daughter. Every time they came on the screen, it was the movie stopped dead. Yeah, you but know, that was uh, part mean, of me.
0: the whole artifice of this Penny Dreadful. If you've ever read an actual, legitimate Penny Dreadful from that time, mm-hmm. they are, to the modern reader, Absolutely, positively unreadable in their melodramatic over the topness and mm-hmm. wor- overt-wordiness. Mm-hmm. But they always had the young lovers. Sondheim's vision was to recreate that in musical form.
1: And to be honest, you had to have somebody, because if it wasn't for them, nobody would be alive at the end of the movie. And also, <laughs> if, it
0: for, if it wasn't for the sailor, Sweeney would have had his revenge. He's a spanner in the works. Mm-hmm. He that leads Sweeney, and by extension Mrs. Lovett. Mm-hmm. deeper into madness. To
1: sum up, if you haven't seen it already, definitely go rent or buy Sweeney Todd. I would say buy it, because you, I bought it. Yeah, because you, I bought it. I got that lovely I... steel box
0: case. Well, Patricia didn't get that from me. I That's don't know if they have been offering them through other outlets, but FYE has taken to, for like about $5 more if you want, you can get certain films in the beautiful steel box cases. Ooh, and I that? love those. Some
1: things last forever. You are going to be. Prepared. So I got that and I got
0: Cloverfield. And it's what's
1: Next on the docket. Well, I've got a
0: number of films that I guess I saw. Yeah, you saw those days. I saw, well, we might as well start them with Neil Marshall's Love Letter to 70 Sci Fi.
1: Okay, folks, you know what's coming up? This is the obligatory Christian Bell segment of.
0: No, 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 no. <laughs> That's next time. Although I, there is somebody in this film that I would like to say a lot of lovely things about, which is Rona Mitra. Okay. The two things that you take away from this movie are. One, Neil Marshall really, 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 really loved Escape from New York and the Road Warrior. And two, Rona Mitra is very, very pissed that she got passed over to play Laura Croft. Because as everybody knows, and we've mentioned this before in the past, Rona Mitra... Uh, was Uh, the uh, model model for the original Lara Croft way, way, way back when. When they decided to bring her to the screen, they passed her over for uh, Angelina Jolie. I
1: actually read an interview with her where she actually said it was an agreement that they had said if there was ever going to be a Lara Croft movie, she'd be their first choice for it. So she always went through the thing expecting that when they did make the movie, she was going to
0: get the role. This is kind of a big fuck you to the people who made the the Tomb Raider film. because. Rona Mitra is saying, you want to see hard-ass action hero? Well, fuck you. I'm going to show you what it's like. Because
1: mm-hmm. when I saw the commercials for this, I immediately thought Road Warrior. I yeah. that's what it looked like. that, that is a its biggest r-
0: flaw. Its biggest flaw is it is too much a tribute to these two films I cited. Okay. Escape from New York and Road Warrior. And the, road. the plot is this year, there is a viral outbreak of a strange disease that they refer to as the Reaper. It breaks out in Scotland and becomes so virulent and starts spreading so quickly that the British government has no choice but to quarantine the entire country which they do by erecting an enormous wall along the British-Scottish border.
1: And you have to ask yourself, well, what was the people on the other side doing while they were building this wall? Because they didn't build it in one
0: night. The film starts on the night when the last bits of the wall end, well they're trying to evacuate those people who are not affected yet. It just becomes total chaos because somebody sneaks in who is infected into the evacuation, and that causes a panic situation where the British soldiers open fire on the civilians. Okay. One mother and daughter... The mother is killed. The daughter loses her eye. Before the mother dies, she manages to pass the baby over to one of the soldiers, who takes it and raises her, and she becomes our heroine, Eden Sinclair. 2036. The rest of the world did not take kindly to what Britain did, and said, oh, you quarantined quarantined your neighbor country? Well, we're turning our back on you. We're not doing any trade with you or anything. That's it. England has degenerated into this absolute fascist, chaotic police state, where you have this very, very concentrated area where all the poor people are and everybody else is in the outlying regions.
1: You ever notice that anytime there's any science fiction having to do with England, mm-hmm. that it pretty much degenerates into a fascist state, you know, like Viva Vendetta. Whatever they do to the, that sort of thing, they almost become like the Nazis that like they hate it right. so
0: much. Eden Sinclair has grown up to be a police officer. Her superior officer is played by Bob Hoskins. And there's something a father and daughter relationship almost. She is totally torn up. She has this artificial eye Mm-hmm. That contains. I'm not sure if it's like a video camera or something. Mm-hmm. So she has this habit of taking it out, rolling it along the floor to get an advanced look at what's going yeah, on. Yeah, so she can
1: see what's going on. Like, which would come in good in yeah. lots of situations. Can she actually see what dies? She, she can, can oh, see because okay. there's
0: like basically there's some sort of like video receptor in her brain. That's in like her brain. Oh,
1: okay. I'm about to see. Well, where
0: she down? also is able to record it, download the information onto a disc to share with Bob Hoskins, I guess. And then there's another outbreak of the Reaper. In London. Because, of course, all the poor people who have no real access to medicine or anything have been concentrated in such a small area for so long, they were just practically inviting a virus to come in. Oh, god gotcha. Hoskins and Eden are called in to a meeting with the present head of the, the police force, who reveals that they've discovered live people still in Scotland who mm. are not affected. So they commission Eden Sinclair to go in with a team to Scotland. Come out with either the cure, or lacking the cure, an unaffected, unaffected human
1: being, human so that they can take their blood and make a yes, cure from and it. make a ah. cure from
0: it. She goes and she meets her people, and she goes in, and the first thing she does is she runs to escape from New York World. It's Edinburgh, like yeah, it, 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 it's just Edinburgh and you know what I love about these post-apocalyptic films, Derek? Good. You notice how usually one of the things that they establish very early on is that Scotland had just so broken down, even before the gate had been erected Okay, that food was at a scarcity and that many people had turned to cannibalism and yet, everybody in this film still has enough gas to run big gas-guzzling cars all over the place Oh, oh, oh always they can't find food, but they can find like gas. gas. They can find yeah. gas and enough electricity that they're able to light an entire stadium and play old Adam Ant songs.
1: And you have to wonder, if you've got that much gas, why don't you just
0: drive away yeah. from where you're at?
1: Why do you stay in such squalor? You
0: got all this gas? Just get in your car and go. First they get captured by this punk rock lunatic, who Mm -hmm. practices ritual cannibalism, they actually really gruesomely sacrifice one of the members Mm -hmm. of this thing by lowering him onto a big, giant pit. And we watch him sizzle and burn while they're playing Susie and the Banshees and Adamant. So,
1: I'm living in this situation and I see everybody has resorted to turn around at each other, and I'm gonna stick around. Mm -hmm. Nah, I don't think so. I'm gonna get in my car with all my But of course, Ian Sinclair is
0: the tough badass, and manages to escape, and takes... A prisoner with her that she discovers, who happens to be the sister of this lunatic. Mm -hmm. And also the daughter of this scientist who had chose to stay behind in Scotland when the wall went up. Who is played by Malcolm McDowell. Who has gone away with the Pixies. As we find out when we go to visit Old Daddy, he has created this sort of medieval fantasy world. I guess people have things to eat, but it's all savagery and ritual combat. And she's made to face this giant guy who basically is Master Blaster. The, uh, from Mad Max. From Mad Max. In a Be big pit while everybody's cheering. You see where this is going. You see, then they escape from there because they realize that everybody in the Malcolm McDowell world is into the virus. Since the daughter has fallen in love with one of the other guys on the mission, she agrees to go with them. Okay. Okay, problem solved, right? And they I go, would think so. They break into an old bunker. There's a whole lot of all these big containers. There's one container that they open up, and I swear to you they well on this for a good 30 seconds, is a black jaguar.
1: In pristine condition. Which, right? yeah,
0: and we lovingly look at the jaguar and how cool it is, mm-hmm. and Rona is gives a little madding, little half-smile that she likes to mm-hmm. do, which you, you've seen, I'm sure, in the practice. And she goes, oh, I think I'll take that to go. Next thing you know, they're roaring down the highways of mm-hmm. this rural, feral Scotland, mm-hmm. and then there's like a bus... And there's a sewage truck and all this other stuff and then it becomes the road warrior. And they recreate the chase right. that the road warrior. Although there is one pretty funny little grace touch because Cave's like uh, wife was this like tribally tattooed who was featured prominently in the promos for the film. This you know, badass who Rona Mitra decapitates early on. Mm-hmm. And we see her later on in the tri- I'm like, is there some sort of like continuity glitch? No. It turns out he just took the body and kind of reattached the head. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's driving along with her corpse into uh-huh. the front seat. Just uh, couldn't do without her. Just couldn't do without her. I've liked Neil Marshall's two previous films, The Descent and Dog Soldiers. There's still a lot of that style from those two previous films in this film. But it's just so thunderingly derivative. Derivative. It just takes away from the ability to immerse myself in the film... When all I can see is, oh, well, that, here, we're back in Road Warrior territory. Right, yeah. I got you. I give him credit for giving Mitra the chance, and she is a legitimate badass in this film.
1: So you're saying go see the movie for her? You know, rent the movie? I don't know. I
0: don't... But then again, also, I wonder if the people who've never seen the original Escape from New York, or have never seen the Road Warrior, they would That's just true. think, oh, this kicks ass.
1: Yeah, well, if you've never seen the source yeah. material, you're always going to think it's something
0: new. I'm not sure whether I'd recommend seeing this or not. I... Yes, I wasn't too disappointed when I walked away because there were elements I could take away from it. I thought overall, that's the one thing about Marshall's last two films is that mm-hmm. yeah, they took conventional things. Dog Soldiers was a werewolf movie. Right. Descent was a variation of Alien, if you will. Right.
1: That was the one with the women. With they the go, women. They go into the caves underground, right. and the beasties get them.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. It's basically spam the Cameron film. But in both of those cases, Marshall. Brought something to the table, uh, some sort of twist, some sort of stylistic flourish Mm -hmm. that elevated them from their origins. There's nothing here. That flourish, even though stylistically it's obviously the same director, you can see the same... There's nothing elevating it beyond, gee, I really like these two films, I think I'll make my own version.
1: It's a potboiler.
0: I guess if you're looking for something pretty empty, I think just to turn your mind off for two hours. Yeah, if you go
1: into a blockbuster and...
0: You can't find a movie
1: that you want. Get
0: this as a replacement. That was one.
1: Okay, moving right along. Uh,
0: which one do you want? We get to first? Forgetting Sarah Marshall or Forbidden Kingdom? Both of them. So well, ahead. you tell me. Which so one would you rather hear about first?
1: Go ahead with Kristen Bell movie. Get it. Oh, uh, that's ahead. all you kiss. I know you're dying to get to her. So go ahead. Ah, uh, yes. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Okay, folks. Now we're into the obligatory. Christian Bell segment, uh, segment of the of, of, I Think You Agree. That I have
0: a lovely screensaver up today. Yes, he does, folks. It is. It's a very nice one. This is the latest film from the Judd Apatow stable of filmmakers and directors.
1: And this one has gotten very good reviews. This is one of the few movies that I can honestly say I haven't heard a bad review. And you're not going
0: to hear a bad review here either. Of
1: course not. Kristen
0: Bell is in it. <laughs> hey, hey. It I a actually movie. have slagged Kristen Bell movies in the past. Pulse.
1: Pulse, right.
0: I wanted to find the director and beat the equivalent of how much time <laughs> I had to sit through that <laughs> crap. Written by and starring Jason Siegel okay. and directed by Nicholas Stoller because we know that most people will just think of it as a Judd movie, so we might as well give credit where credit is due. Yeah. Siegel plays Peter Bretter, who is a musician who does the score for a very thinly veiled CSI Miami rip-off called Crime Scene. Mm-hmm. And we know that it's a CSI Miami rip-off, even though it's set in New York, because Billy Baldwin, who plays the Horatio Kane character, yeah, yeah. is doing the whole, taking off my sunglasses David, now. Yeah, the David now Sony I'm putting Sony it Sony 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 back Sony on! Off. Now I'm taking them off again! Mm-hmm. The star of Crime Scene, beside Billy Baldwin, is Sarah Marshall. Mm-hmm. who is played by, of course, the lovely Kristen Bell. The first scene of the first act of this film, mm-hmm. Sarah Marshall comes back from a film shoot to break up with Peter. <laughs> and we know that he's totally into her, because during the title sequence, we see all these little strides to her. All, all over the, the place. All over the house. Okay. He has problems dealing with the breakup, not surprisingly. Uh, of course not. And uh, decides course. to take a vacation. He's talking to his stepbrother and says, Oh, well, Sarah always talked about this one resort in Hawaii. And I've never been to Hawaii. I think I'm going to go there. stepbrother says, You shouldn't go there. Going someplace that she wanted to go, that's not a good idea.
1: No, go someplace you want to be.
0: As we find out when he actually does get go. And so far, it looks like it's going all right for the first three minutes. Because he shows up. He goes to the resort. he meets this Beautiful girl, Rachel, who's mm. the front desk, played by Mila Kunis.
1: Who I've also heard is very good in this. This is very, very good. Then
0: he finds out that not only is Sarah Marshall staying there, but she's staying there with her new boyfriend, who is obviously a takeoff on that little fucking shit who used to run Creed, Scott Staff. Okay. I hate that guy. I love but, uh, Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> He's English, but other than that, the actor's obviously doing a takeoff of that style of musician. He is now stuck on Hawaii at this resort. Mm-hmm. Because Rachel takes pity on him, even though he can't afford. She books him in one of the more expensive suites and says, you're on your own, you have to clean up after yourself. Well, you have her showing up after about a week. Of breaking up with you with her boyfriend. That's kind of shitty. But she, she didn't know he yeah. was going there. He didn't know that either. Yeah. But the thing is, of course, she thinks he knows, he knows that, that yeah. she was going there. Oh, okay, yeah. He's going I didn't call your agent No I didn't do that I honest to God I just was looking for a way She thinks he's talking It's yeah, And it becomes this kind of <laughs> Relationship hell He's becoming closer and closer To this Rachel girl But She's Everywhere <laughs> He goes He goes To this luau And There they are island. It's a small island One of the staff Who is the kid who was the lead in Superbad Superbad Is obsessed with the rock singer And stops The Hawaiian ukulele Little band li- yeah. In the middle of the number ask him to come up and do a number and the guy does this number that called inside you which is just so smutty Mm -hmm. that peter just dies of embarrassment there are also a couple other weird characters in the resort Mm -hmm. there's a character played by paul rudd chuck who is this burnt out surfing instructor who does not remember you from day to day (laughs) <laughs> I want to point this guy out specifically Davon McDonald has Dwayne the bartender Big hulking black man Early on in the film Peter is sitting there talking with somebody And one of the other guys expresses How could you stand to be in Hawaii for more than a couple of weeks mm-hmm. And Dwayne gets all obsessed Let me tell you something man I'm from South Central I was getting shot every night. Yeah. I moved here. Now I know 300 different kinds of fish. <laughs> and he then proceeds to prove it to by live. naming 300, 300 different, different kinds of fish. of fish. He is just so... He has these small bits, but every time he shows up, shows he's hilarious. Shows up, you sit up, you yeah, pay attention, because you know it's going to be good. One of the nice things about this movie is, that unlike a lot of these other kind of lowbrow romantic comedies, mm-hmm. there are no villains. Sarah, you'd expect to be just the uber-bitch that we see other sides to her because the problem with most of these romantic comedies is that because the ex is always considered to be an uber bitch you sit there and you go why the fuck were you with her in the, well, first, in the place? first place or they have the former boyfriend yeah. he's such a jerk or he's such an idiot mm-hmm. you said well what did you see in But this there person? are moments like when Sarah learns that crime scene is Mm cancelled. And Peter goes over actually to talk to her. You see the two of them together and you realize that there actually was something valuable in there. And she wasn't this horrible person that he brought something good out in her much like she brought out something good in him. Even the rock star guy who... If anyone was meant to be a character, he is. There is a moment that... One of the running gags in the film is that... Peter has been working for years and years and years... On this musical version of Dracula. And he has a massive block... And he actually confesses at one time to Rachel... Yeah, well, uh... Actually, I want to do it with puppets. At one point, he's taking one of his surfing lessons... And the rock star guy is there, he's embarrassed, and the rock star guy says, Yeah, man, man, I gotta tell you something. I was listening to Sarah's iPod, and I came across some stuff that you did for this musical. Mm -hmm. It's really good. (laughs) He actually not negative towards him. They humanize them. Everybody in this film is human.
1: You break up with somebody, and then you meet the person that they're with now, It's nothing worse to find out you actually have something in common and you start liking each other. (laughs) That makes it even worse. It's
0: it's funny, also. Like for example, there's mentioned that scene earlier before we start recording where the four of them are having dinner together. Mm -hmm. Sarah and Rachel start bonding. One of the little Easter eggs, kind of funny, is that there are a couple of scenes and references where they kind of take the piss out of the actors' real lives. Like the scene where they're having the dinner. Sarah spoke about how wonderful it is to to go and visit Australia, and Rachel should do it sometime. We found out that the reason she went to Australia was to do this really horrible film about cell phones that kill people. (laughs) Which was. Pulse. Who saw, yeah. Yes. And I laughed like a maniac. And
1: which Kristen Bell started. Yes. Like, yeah, she was in that one And you'll notice
0: how I've gone on for about 10, 15 minutes about this film without once mentioning that, yes, she is nude several times throughout the film.
1: Oh, new personal world record. <laughs> new personal world record. <laughs> I thought I would have sworn you would have put that right at the top. In fact,
0: towards the end, there is an act of a certain type of simulated sex, that I was like, I can't believe they got her to do this. A certain act of... Sim- I won't say... But what, she seems like a person that Although has, it does like, a lead to humor. another yeah. hilarious... Moment with Dwayne where he going You know what he gave up for you? He gave up blank You know what that means? That means blue balls (laughs) Why you let this guy go? He likes puppets I love puppets (laughs) Elmo's my dude, my man Uh And he starts once again going through the list Of all the different puppets in the world It is actually genuinely Funny even for somebody like myself Who does not like this kind of humor I
1: may go to the movie theaters to see this I was going to wait until the DVD but I Mm -hmm. keep hearing So many good things and see me romantic comedies is pretty low on the totem poles when it comes to my preferred choice of movies. You can't get me to go see a romantic... I think the last romantic comedy I actually sat down and watched was Sleepless in Seattle. That was like 20 years ago now. I mean, it's just a genre that just doesn't appeal to me at all. But this one, I've heard so many good things, not only from you, but from other people I know that have seen it. I may actually bite the bullet and go catch a movie. I mean, the only
0: reason I went to see this, of course, was to support the team.
1: But like you said, you were surprised it turned out to be actually very good. It was
0: extremely good. Even if you took... Kristen Bell out of the equation. I thought it was a very well done film. Mm. And it was very enjoyable. Definitely recommend it. I've got one more. Before, of course, we start talking about the thing everybody wants to hear about.
1: Tom said, let's do Iron Man right at the top of the chart. I said, no, because then you know what's going to happen. They're going to listen to that, then they're going to tune right. us out for the rest of the episode. So yeah, we're making you
0: wait till the end. <laughs> the last film that I saw by myself during this period was The Forbidden Kingdom. The long-awaited Jet Li, Jackie Chan mm-hmm. action movie. That so people have been waiting for right. them to, to do this for 15 years. Written by John Fusco and directed by Rob Minkoff. This film, I want to say, right from the very first frame almost, wears its intentions on its sleeve when we see the title sequence, which is composed of Old Shaw Brothers Kung Fu movie posters. The plot kind of, I guess, focuses, I'm using air quotes here, on Jason Tripidix, who is a Boston teenager who loves Kung Fu. When we first meet him, he has this rather vivid dream about the Monkey King. Who is played by somebody that we're not supposed to know is playing him until the very end of the film. Mm-hmm. One of his few friends is this old old man who runs a pawn shop in Boston's Chinatown, played by another actor who we're not supposed to know is playing him until until later on. the very end. He Ends up getting bullied by the local thugs, breaking into the old man's pawn shop because they heard that he has a lot of money. Of
1: course, every neighborhood has an old guy yeah. like
0: that that is rumored, oh, yeah, he's got a mattress full now, of money. Now, he doesn't have a lot of money, but he does have the staff that Jason saw when mm. we first see this character that looks remarkably like the staff that he saw the Monkey King wielding. The old man explains, oh, someone came here. But my grandfather ran the place and asked us to keep it for him. My father waited for the rightful owner. He never showed. Mm -hmm. My grandfather waited. He never showed. (laughs) I'm waiting. I'm kind of hoping he'll show.
1: Before I drop dead.
0: Uh, During the course of this break-in, the old man is shot and is, believed dead. They chase Jason across the rooftops and he takes a fall. He's holding the staff. The staff. And when he wakes up, he's in feudal China. He finds out that he's... The messenger in this prophecy. You know, I have some knowledge of Chinese folklore. Mm-hmm. This is very faithful to the folklore. Because they tell the story of the Monkey King. The Monkey King crashes the Peach Festival, which is held every 500 years mm-hmm. by the King of Heaven. He disrupts it. And the King of Heaven is actually quite charmed by the monkey being a goofball. Mm-hmm. So he tells his right-hand man, the Jade Emperor, to give him a title... But the Jade Emperor is a little pissed off that the Monkey King went and behaved like this. Mm-hmm. So he tricks him and fights him and freezes him into a statue by taking away his staff.
1: But, oh, and okay. using... Oh. As long as he had the staff,
0: his magic's protected him. But without the staff, he's tricked into becoming the statue. The staff is stolen and is planted on Earth. And now Jason has to go and... Restore the staff to the monkey king.
1: Okay, now, I've heard this part. i got to say I have a problem with this. Why is it that it's this Caucasian kid and not an Asian kid? You know, why would a Caucasian
0: kid be the chosen messenger No, because he's supposed to be a foreigner. The, The prophecy states he's supposed to be a stranger from another land. The other thing that I think is going on here is what Minkoff is doing is giving us a Jack Burton situation.
1: Ah, okay.
0: We're led to believe that Jason is supposed to be the hero of this film, but in fact, he's the sidekick. He's the sidekick, I got it. To who, you may ask? Well, to Lu Yan, who is played by Jackie Chan, mm-hmm. who is playing the drunken master. The drunken master. Lu Yan is explained to him what this prophecy, and they are beset upon by the Jade Emperor's army. But they are then saved by Golden Sparrow, who is this young woman whose family was killed by the Jade Emperor when she was young. These actors are all playing versions of characters they made famous in Hong Kong cinema, which I find absolutely fascinating. So Golden Sparrow has been waiting to kill the Jade Emperor with this special weapon that she's devised, this dart that can kill even an immortal. During the course of their travels, they run into a monk played by Jet Li, Mm -hmm. who is playing the character he played in the Once Upon a Time Once Upon a Time in China China film. Then comes what we've all been waiting for, the throwdown between Jackie Chan and Jet Li. And Jet Lee. Lee, yeah. And Rob Minkoff knows enough to realize this is what people want to see, that he backs off for about ten minutes.
1: Okay. And just
0: lets them go bug-fucking this one temple. That's
1: what people want to see. They want to see mm-hmm. the throwdown
0: between Jackie Chan and Jet Li. Meanwhile, the Jade Emperor realizes something is up, sends out his best bounty hunter, the bride with white hair, to go and retrieve the staff. What half follows is this giant chase-slash-adventure movie. That I think degenerates a bit too much in the tail end in that last third into CGI. But otherwise, is played very straight, has a kung fu historical action epic, mm-hmm. and is for a lot of fun.
1: Just looking at the trailers for it, I got that impression that it was a throwback to classic 70s, 80s kung fu movie. I assume they do have a lot of wire
0: work. I can accept the wire work and all the other goofball stuff. Mm-hmm. It's when, at the very end, when you have the confrontation between the Jade Emperor and the Bride of White, with white hair, Mm -hmm. and the Monk and Jason and Golden Sparrow, where it starts getting too into CGI effects. I think it overpowers the of the fighting. Because more of a special effects. It's more of a special effects kind of thing, exactly. But worth seeing. Yes, it is very worth seeing. Jet Li, Jackie Chan, and Yifei Liu all play dual roles. I won't say who plays what, but they do play dual roles as they have a role in the waking world and in this fantasy world. I'm willing to bet that the reason Jet Li agreed to do this, because Jet Li has been adamant about he didn't want to do Kung Fu movies again, the reason Jet Li agreed to do this was because of the second role he was allowed to do.
1: You know, I've seen an interview that he did that him and Jackie Chan have been... Looking for something to do for the longest time. It's just that they're both mm-hmm. very busy guys yeah. and the schedules didn't allow for it. But I'm glad to hear it. I'm definitely going to go see it. I, I want to go see Speed Racer first. There's talk a- about your oversaturation. Oh, shoot. Yeah, but I got to go see my boy. We know what you want to hear about. Sit up now. You can. I know you're sitting there going to sleep. <laughs> but we're going to get to what you've been waiting to hear finally at last.
0: Now we talk.
1: Iron Man.
0: I have already heard
1: that Iron Man 2 is coming in 2010.
0: Which means... 2010. And we pretty much know who the villain is and who the big surprise extra character is going to be in that one. We do yeah. Ooh. They spent so much time building up the Ten Ring oh,
1: oh, oh, without okay.
0: actually showing him. Oh, okay. I've got to assume that the Mandarin is going to be the villain for Iron Man 2. I have
1: you heard something official. Yeah, no,
0: We're pretty sure that judging from that one wonderful scene with Terrence Howard, that we will be seeing the War Machine. Yeah, well, that's practically a given.
1: You know, this movie,
0: as I predicted,
1: it made $100 oh. million dollars the first weekend.
0: So it's directed by Jon Favreau. Writer <laughs> is Mark Fergus and Hawk Otsby. You know how in the later half of the Marvel at the Movies series, we were bitching and moaning about how Marvel one decided to dumb down everything? hmm Not here, folks. Not,
1: not in this one. Not here, folks. Not, not in this one. This is a very, very smart movie. I love movies where everybody
0: in the movie is smart. There's no dumb characters in here. By oh, my smart. God. What? This is something that, that I would not even have known until I looked at... I'm looking at the cast list. Mm-hmm. The character that we are assuming is going to become the Mandarin in the mm-hmm. second film. Mm-hmm. The leader of the Ten Rings. Okay. His character name was Raza, mm. which is an ultra-obscure Iron Man villain from the 70s. Raza the Son of Fire. The Son
1: of Fire? Oh, interesting. Man. Yeah, because I don't think they ever mentioned his name in, in right. the movie. See, but it's another Easter egg in a movie that's... A- chock full of them. If you're a Marvel Comics fan like me and Tom from way back, you'll spot them left and right. But even if you're not, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's
0: not necessary. I mean, one of the things that I was amazed at when I was watching this film, was that Favreau found a way... There are basically three distinctive origins to Iron Man. Right. The original Stan Lee version, the revised version that David Michelini introduced in his first run in the very late 70s, very early 80s, and the Mike Grell version that was introduced in around two, the year 2000. Favreau have found a way... To create a story that incorporates elements from all three of them and introducing this major villain, who is probably going to end up being the Mandarin, in a way that is very smooth.
1: And I also saw a lot
0: of, remember the Heroes Reborn? Mm -hmm.
1: The Jim Lee version? There's a lot of the Jim Lee version of Tony Stark in Robert Downey. Yeah, let's talk about
0: Robert Downey Jr. here for a second. The Man... Is Tony Stark. He's
1: brilliant. Let's just say, first of all, I've liked Robert Downey Jr. for years and years mm-hmm. and years. The man's always been one of my favorite actors. And this is just like when Christopher Reeve played Superman yeah. and Michael Keaton played Batman. You can't imagine anybody else playing Tony Stark after you see him. He gets it, that Tony Stark has to be as cool when he's out of the suit as he is when he's out of And he has to be
0: a dick. Yeah. He has to start out his life as a dick. In order to make that transition, Well, a charming dick. He gets it on every level. He's the guy. He's a dick. He's insensitive.
1: He's not politically correct. But you can't help but be charmed by the guy. You love him. They have that great scene with him and Rhodey. They're in the plane. In the plane getting played by Terrence Howard. Howard. Tony's out for champagne and women. And And Terrence is like, oh, I don't drink. We're not drinking. We're not partying. We're here to work. And next, what's the next thing you see? We see,
0: we learned that first off that the Star International airplane has a stripper pole. Has a stripper pole. <laughs> isn't it? There's a disco ball and the music is going and, and the three sewardesses are dancing around. And, and we had there's just, an obviously drunk Tara Tower. So this is what I would do if
1: I. Had. It's a great scene and Robert Downey Jr. just sitting there with a big shitty grin yeah. on his face. But that's the way the guy likes to live. They got that scene where. He's supposed to get the award. He's not there. Where's yeah. he at? He's in Las Vegas gambling. And they play the original. The original theme song. The Tony star. Because I remember you once
0: said to me that your standard for whether a movie based on a TV show is going to suck is whether they use the original theme song.
1: Absolutely. At that
0: moment, it was, up Derek's oh, happy.
1: Then I knew it. I said, I'm in good hands. Because if you remember that far back mm-hmm. and you find a way to
0: incorporate that, that shows me that
1: you're paying attention. You know what pay- else I
0: love about this film? It is the first time I think we've ever seen in a first movie. Because mm-hmm. we've heard it in Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. We saw a hero who embraces his heroness. Yeah. Embraces his powers and has fun with them.
1: I mean, and I've mentioned this before. I am so sick and tired of seeing these superhero movies where there's a, Oh, what was me? Why was I cursed with these powers? That's not to say that there aren't superheroes like that. But not all of them are like that. Mm -hmm. Tony Stark is a guy, he uses technology to improve his life. So, of course, this is his thing. This is what he knows how to do. He enjoys doing it. As evidenced by all of the gadgets and gizmos right. that's just in his house, which is
0: a great place to live. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, I don't know about you, but I remember
0: he said it in his interviews. He said, I said it on, on King California because I was getting sick and tired of seeing we yeah. set in New York. Yeah.
1: Which is a thing that I've always disliked about Marvel. Right. Because it seems like, do any real people live in New York or is it just completely populated by right. superheroes and mutants? So I really like the fact that this was set on well, the Well, that's why I you'll thought.
0: notice when I've done my. Iron Man fan fiction. Mm-hmm. It started out in Seattle. Seattle and we moved right. to, to Boston. Why? Because I got tired of everybody being in New
1: York. And you figure that there's any regular people. Why wouldn't they move out of New right. York since every other day
0: there's a superhero mm-hmm. battle that's destroying half the city. Right. You say, let's take a look at a couple of the other actors. Jeff, Jeff Bridges. Bridges. See, we're both looking at the, same, were the same thing. the same Obadiah. Another great who, thing about this film. almost steals the movie from Robert yeah. Downey Jr. Another great thing about this film is that Unlike these other movies where they feel obligated to include three or four bad guys because they're expected, Favreau has the faith in Jeff Bridges to make him the sole villain. Right. Bridges rewards that faith.
1: Unlike oh, other movies where they telegraph that he's a bad It really comes as a surprise when right. it turns out that Obadiah State
0: is the bad guy behind it. I mean, you know? I knew.
1: I mean, I was waiting well, yeah, for the well, term. We, but yeah, but yeah, well, we
0: know from the comic. Well, much like Iron Man... He loves being superpowered. Yeah. When he was. gets into that Ironmonger armor and is running around and throwing Tony around yeah. like a ragdoll, he's like, he's saying,
1: I see why you liked
0: it. Yes. <laughs> he said, this is cool. In fact, one of the first things we hear from him after he puts on the armor is, I love this suit. Yeah,
1: he said this is great. Of course, who wouldn't love it? This is why I can't understand. Well, they did have the dark, depressive period where Tony Stark turned out to be alcoholic. alcoholic yeah, which they do make a kind of a slight reference to because in the first half of the movie, you're hardly him without a glass in his hand. Right. But then after he comes back from his imprisonment. And gets a little bit more serious about his life and wants right. to change it. You don't see that so much. You Another know, thing not. about... about you know,
0: it's a little subtle thing. Right. But about if the you film know is that nothing but is wasted. You, right, but if you know the history of the character, yeah. you pick up on it. Nothing in this film is wasted. Even something that looked like it was a throwaway gag with the original arc generator. Arc generator, yeah, that he had. That Pepper bakes into a little paperweight for him. yeah. That's a significant part of the that film. That goes back later on. Right. And, right. and speaking of Pepper Pot, Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow, one, one of my favorite actresses. One of the great things that I loved about the script was, once again, respectful to a fault of the comic. They tease it, but they never consummate it. They never actively have Tony and Pepper consummate a relationship, even mm-hmm. though there's an obvious attraction there's to it. There's an obvious attraction to it. Which yeah, is because, just like it was in the comics.
1: Because I really love a lot of his scenes together where he frankly tells it, Yeah, well, you're the only, the only, only person I have. You're yeah. the only
0: person I have. You're the only family I got, really. He said, You're the only person I trust. Yeah, at the end of that and, scene with these asking her to right. connect to the new. Uh, and she's like, why do you want me to do this? It's like, you're the only person I quit. Yeah, you're the only person I would trust to do this. And there's a lot of great little scenes they have with
1: that When she walks in where the machines are trying to take off yeah. the armor and he says, listen, this isn't the but weirdest the thing that you've ever caught me doing. So yes. don't look all surprised there. You gotta love the way
0: Downey throws yeah. off lines like that. Like, he's making it up on the well, fly. Well, watch it. It comes back to the fact that Robert Downey loves the challenge of Building this armor, loves the challenge of coming up with these powers, Mm -hmm. loves the challenge of mastering them. Yeah, it's a wonderful movie from start to finish. And
1: even somebody like my wife Patricia, who doesn't know anything about the thing. She loved it. She said, Oh, as a matter of fact, she said, You have any comic books? I said, Yeah, I've played Iron Man combo. She said, Oh, I'd like to read some of them. Okay, for those people who say that, Comic book movies don't want to make people read right. comic books. My wife wants to read Iron Man comics right. now from seeing this movie. With she's seen
0: Daredevil, mm-hmm. and she never wanted to read the comic books. Said, I like if that there's guy. one actor who is kind of sort of wasted, it is Terrence Howard. He doesn't get a lot to do. Although there is that wonderful scene when after Tony has come out to him mm-hmm. and they're going out to save Pepper, and he. Comes across his second armor. Yeah, the more with, with the grayish gold. And he looks at it and he looks at it, and you can see what's going on in his head. And he goes, mm-hmm. "Next time, ne- sure." Ne- you can see he's actually thinking about jumping into yeah. the suit himself, right there and flying after Tony. That was, at, I think, early on when visits to Rhodey at the teaching range. Mm-hmm. You get the impression he's like, going oh, well, come join me. I want you to pilot this." You get that impression. He didn't have a lot to do in this movie, but he had enough. It was enough that
1: they set up the relationship because you have to understand the relationship between. Rhodes and Stark, Right. if you're going to further on down the line have him be War Machine. The only actor I had a problem with in this movie, is strangely John enough, Favreau. is John Favreau himself. But as you and I discussed Because he plays, he plays Happy Hogan, who eventually marries Pepper right. right. Even though in this movie, it was strange because they really had no scenes
0: together, right. and no dialogue or nothing like that. I can see almost the process. Happy Hogan became a thankless character. Because mm-hmm. he does nothing in the film. So, Favreau, rather than trying to get some big name to do this thankless character figures, mm-hmm. I'll do it myself. But then
1: again, you have all of these scenes where Tony Stark is standing there and he's
0: talking, and Favreau is standing
1: right behind him, looking mm-hmm. over his shoulder. Right. He's not saying anything. He's not contri- He's just standing there. I felt there was too many shots of that. I liked the scenes where he was driving the car yeah. and he was getting his bags Because there was a reason for him to be there then. Otherwise... I didn't like all those other No,
0: there are two other actors I think we should mention. That? One of course is the actor Clark Gregg, who <laughs> plays the ubiquitous oh. agent Phil Coulson. This is the one complaint they have about the faithfulness to the comics mm-hmm. that they did not name this character Jasper Because That's
1: what we want. But I like how they made Shield a running gag in yeah. that movie because he always said the
0: whole name of the thing and then finally at the end we said, No what? Just call it Sh- Shield. Just call it Shield <laughs> He is said well in every yeah. way, shape and form. Once again, another thing, you know how usually in these movies when the secondary lead is trying to get the authority figure to do something yeah. and they're resistant? Yeah, yeah. Not, not, our, it, yes. not our friend Agent Colson. Cause I think the thing is He spent so much time Around Pepper at this point He's come to r- Respect her Yeah When Pepper Judgment Has to get help yeah. To go get over that the- Who does she do She goes to
1: this guy And what's the next thing you see This cat's got a Vance yeah. He's not bullshitting around he's, It's not like I think Well Miss Potts Do you actually expect me To believe such a preposterous Yeah. Somewhere? No you don't get None
0: of that here He swings into action
1: mm. I just loved it
0: Do we want to mention Yeah that's The what big, big Easter We want it. to remind people That there was at the very beginning of this episode, the warning klaxons that there would be spoilers. But I am going to say right here, if you haven't
1: seen Iron Man and you don't want to hear what the big reveal is at the end, although by the time they hear it, yeah, everybody will. Well, everybody it's going to be though.
0: out the first one in June.
1: Okay, so most people who want to see Iron Man yeah. will have seen it by then. The big reveal at the end. Do not leave when you see the credits. Now, let me say something right here. This is a pet peeve of mine. I'm sick and tired of you people that when the end credits come on, you run like Roadrunners on crack to the exit door. Like somebody just yelled fire or dropped the volume yeah. of the Ebola virus. But those credits are there for a reason. These are people that have given up time out of their lives to provide entertainment for you. And
0: given the special effects for this movie, when you and I have talked about this, the CGI... Is very well hidden. I couldn't tell when it was a guy in a suit yeah.
1: or yeah.
0: when it was CGI. After a while, and also, you know what else? I, I just gave up. No, uh, I know I keep coming up with these little grace notes that I love. Unlike Spider-Man Three and Daredevil, Robert Downey Jr. had the humbleness not to take off his freaking helmet every five minutes. Right. I
1: think he didn't take it off until the last couple of minutes yeah. of the fight with Iron Monger rips mm-hmm. it off.
0: But getting back to what we were saying, right. Whatever
1: you do, the credits. These are people that are giving a valuable time out of their lives for value and entertainment. Me, personally, I don't think it's too much... To ask that people sit there for three right. or four
0: minutes and watch the damn credits. <laughs> John Favreau realizes he wants you to stay because he put the biggest reveal at, at the, the end, at the very end of the credit. So if you haven't seen after, Iron of Man course, yet. the first big reveal, which is at the very end, which once again is taken directly from the Mike Grell origin, rather than go through the whole thing of oh yeah, I have a bodyguard and he's an employee, he yeah. actually starts going through that and he goes like, well actually the fact is I'm Iron Man, I'm Iron Man, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's perfectly in keeping with Tony's personality, it's his ego. Because he won't allow to say, well,
1: this isn't me. He wants people to know he's Iron Man
0: because he's having so much fun with Iron Man. Which leads us to the Easter egg at the very end. He comes home from that press conference. Is very tired, but the lights go down. And he walks in the house, and it's dark, and there's somebody standing by the window. The guy with his back to him, he said, you had to go and tell everybody, right? And I remember when I saw this, the voice is so distinctive. I was like,
1: oh, yeah. Oh, shit. I mean, I said, oh, my God. And my wife, she's one of those that runs out when the end credits come on. And when I went out and told her, I said, you should have stayed. She said, "Why, why? I said, they had another scene at the end. She said, well, what was it? I said it was Samuel Jackson.
0: Jackson. And she loves it. She said, Samuel Jackson was in the movie? I said, yes. He does this whole speech about Iron Man. You think you're so special. Well, there's this whole new world out there that you don't know nothing about. Yeah, he said,
1: you're not the only superhero And he comes out,
0: out of the shadows, and it is... The ultimate universe version of Nick Fury. As played by they, Sam Jackson. They got it. The whole thing, the eye patch, the scarring right behind mm. it. The whole nine yards. And he goes, my name is Nick Fury. I want to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative. Oh, and then fake the black. And
1: I'm like, man. And the people that had stayed, yeah. like me, we all
0: burst out in
1: yeah. tears and and <laughs> stuff like that. And people who were outside ran back into yes. the theater because they said, well, What happened? What happened? They said, "Man it was Sam Jackson. They said, What? And Patricia just yelled at me. She
0: said, You knew he was going to be in there. I said, No, I, you got my message. Uh-huh. That's something I almost never do, people, is I never call people right after I get out of the movie. And I said, Everything that we've hoped for and feared is true, mm-hmm. so don't leave. But I've seen yeah. it by then.
1: I did not know he was going to be in Iron Man. I thought he was going to be in the Hulk. That's what I heard. Well, that
0: makes me wonder if these rumors I've heard that Downey Jr. and Jackson show up in the Hulk are true. is what I've true. heard. I've heard that, that Robert Pat- Downey Jr. and Sam Jackson are going to be in the Hulk. Because we know that, haven't they announced it for, like, 2010 is going to be 2010 Avengers? 2010 is Iron Man 2. They've already announced an Avengers movie. First, Next year be- is Thor. Well, the official title now is
1: the first Avenger, Captain America. And gonna make Thor and I keep hearing I don't know how
0: true it is going to make an Ant-Man movie. Yeah, done well. by Nick Frost.
1: Okay, well you know more than yeah. I do. I'll go. directed by, by Nick Daniel. Frost.
0: Okay. The uh, Thor movie is going to be directed by for some reason I can never remember this guy's name when I want to, the gentleman who directed Layer Cake. Yeah, so they've got to get those out of the way first. But because all of these characters are going to be done by Paramount, what you should point out is that Iron Man was the first film that was financed exclusively by Marvel. By Comics. Marvel, right? Marvel now is its own studio entity. It Marvel, Marvel Enterprises has a a releasing deal with Paramount to release the film Right so they're done They're going to make them But Paramount
1: is going to So since all of these characters Are going to be under Paramount Because remember how people Were saying about well, well they heard about There was going to be a cameo By Tobey Maguire in Yeah the day, But they couldn't do it Because the movies were done right. By different studios This is part of the reason Why Marvel wants to do All of their movies right. in house So they can have Because this they character, This character that,
0: that interaction Warner Brothers hasn't realized yet That people want to see this Who wouldn't want to see Tobey Maguire And, and Iron Man You know maybe Peter Parker goes to work for him no. Necessarily have to show up in Spider-Man, right? But people would love to see that, and this is why, for example, we're never going to see the Kingpin in Spider-Man, right? Even though he started out as a Spider-Man villain, right? Because he was in which was done by and released by By a different
1: studio. Yeah, folks. Me and Tom can sit here for another hour and talk about the movie. Go see it. The bottom line is, if you haven't seen, if you've seen Iron Man, you know what we're talking about, and you're shaking your head and you say, "You guys are right." And if you haven't seen it. Don't wait for the DVD. Take your ass Although, to the theater
0: right now. And go see. Right, I wait. gotta wonder what sort of extras we're getting on that DVD.
1: Oh man! I the, can't oh yeah! Wait. I can't. You know what I'm hoping? I'm hoping they got more scenes with Sam Jackson. Yeah. And That's I know true.
0: that Favreau has been very public about the fact that I think he's signed on for three films. He's oh signed, yeah, well they all are. They're yes. all signed on for three films. But he is very vocal about he's campaigning. With each one of these movies, he's campaigning to get the Avengers movie. He wants to direct it. Yeah, he Yeah, and I want to see him direct it. I,
1: I want to see him direct it. Iron Man is really for all of us that was let down like me and you by Ghost yeah. Rider and Daredevil and Elektra. It was so good to go see a Marvel movie and yeah. say,
0: "Damn, they got it right." Because I've been disappointed twice before. Because this this is the third part of my tr- big triumvirate mm-hmm. of. Favorite Marvel character, Daredevil. Daredevil. I was, you disappointed. was disappointed. disappointed by that. Fantastic Four, the first. Yeah, yeah, one I was yeah disappointed.
1: the first one I was disappointed, disappointed but but the second, the second one was, was good. They got it right,
0: and Iron Man. In fact, I've been associated with Iron Man for a very long time at this right. point. They got it right, and I'm very happy, and I'm hoping that Marvel Studios takes its cue from this film, yeah, absolutely. and not from Ghost Rider. Absolutely, it's a labor of love. They mm-hmm. obviously
1: took their time, they picked the right talent, they picked the right director, they picked the right writers. It's obvious from seeing this movie that everybody took the time to sit down and do their homework. And, and, read, say, the and, and read the comics. And read the source material. Thank you. How many of these movies are we going to where it's obvious that the writers didn't pick up a fucking issue of anything yeah. and read it? It's so obvious. But this one, these guys
0: did. And my hat's are off to them for putting in their homework and who investing would, themselves in it. Okay, this. let me ask you this, though. For an Avengers movie, who would you want to see them up against?
1: Ultron So we're in the same Ultron, mind yeah. That's, that's pretty scary
0: We're in the same mind If
1: you are going to do An Avengers movie Put them up against The biggest menace that So we'd have had. the big three We'd have Iron Man Robert. We'd have Robert
0: Downey Jr At this point They're still talking About Triple H Playing four Which I pray mm. They don't do that And who knows Who's playing Captain America Who would you add I would say Hawkeye. Hawkeye, definitely. Well, Ant-Man is going to have his own movie, and we're assuming that Ant-Man will also be in Thor. I'd have Hawkeye, I've
1: had the Scarlet Witch, and I'd have Quicksilver. And introduce Division. i are going to have Ultron introduced Division. I feel the big three, along with those four. You know, when you think about the Avengers, that's basically who you think mm-hmm. about. Captain
0: America, Thor. Uh, and one of the great things about this is that we've got three of them are going to have their origins already. So they can hit the ground running. Yeah. So, four, if they're going to do Ant-Man as one of the Avengers as
1: well. Yeah, and if they're going to have Downey and Jackson... In the Hulk movie, there's a chance we're going to
0: see the Hulk yeah. as a
1: member of the event,
0: which he was a founding yeah, exactly. member, which a lot of
1: people forget all the time.
0: You know. I love the fact that now Marvel canon is that the Hulk was expelled as a founding member and Captain America took his place. I'm like, nah. No, you don't expel a person from being a founder. No, man. no.
1: That's a myth that's been going around. No, Captain America was retroactively made a founder. Right. matter of fact, if you look at a lot of the Avengers comic books, they have a statue right. of the founders. And the, and and the, Hulk, the Hulk is, is there. there. And the Hulk yes. is there.
0: Yeah. Go see this if you have Yeah,
1: me. that's all we got to say, folks. Go
0: right, We both give... Del- we just like about, a lot. Yeah, like a much. lot. This one. It's, we, a, it's well, a pleasure to do a review yeah. show where we can recommend so many movies. We give today. big ups to the... Alternate version of The Mist, the black and white version. Yeah. Go see either one, but if you rent it or buy it, get the two discs right. version. We uh, both like encourage Sweeney you to see Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. The only sour note in the entire episode: Doomsday. Use your discretion. Whether you will enjoy it or not depends a lot on whether you enjoy the certain elements that Neil Marshall is building on. Okay. And if you like the actress. Well, I love Rhoda Mitra. Yeah, I love her too. Yeah, it. she's one of my favorite That's the only thing that made me go out and rent this movie. Right. You could see the chip on her shoulder throughout that movie where she was like Pass me over, you son of a fucking bitches. Mm-hmm. I'll show yeah. you. I loved I'm forgetting Sarah Marshall. Forgetting and Sarah not Moore. just because Kristen Bell was naked in it. It's a good movie. Take it from Tom. I yes. trust his judgment. I love The Forbidden Kingdom Okay, And we both went totally Orgasmic over, over, over. Iron Man no,
1: no. Let us hope this is
0: the start no, Of God, a new not. Iron Man, I'm gonna put my neck out there It's the
1: best Marvel superhero movie to date, I feel I think it's the best it's well, the best featuring a character
0: that I really, really am invested it's in. It's the best Marvel superhero movie made. Yeah, in, it's definitely, of, the, of that those three Marvel, that one, in fact, has we've pointed out, that's a, the character that I'm probably more associated with than any other in fandom. Right. That is my mm-hmm. character. That's, that's your my, idea. I have written so much about that character. I feel like it was a just rest to say. That's the other thing I want to see, though, for two. Beside what? the Mandarin, beside War Machine, I want to see Bethany Cape. Well, you thought
1: that she was going to be in this I movie. thought so, too,
0: because at one point they had cast Rachel McAdams uh-huh. in the film. Maybe she was Bethany Cape and they cut her out. Because they... I remember you kept saying. Rachel McAdams would be a perfect Bethany
1: Cape. But since you mentioned you write fan fiction extensively, tell the people where they can find
0: it. Maybe they might be interested yes. in checking
1: out your Iron Man series.
0: Okay, here it is. is at www.ironrodstudio.com backslash... Uh, EV2000. 2000 2000 backslash. Backslash. Yeah, I've been doing uh, their Iron Man series for far too long (laughs) that I care to remember. (laughs) I've done... Easily over half of the yeah.
1: stories. So if you are at all interested in Tom's version of Iron Man, and I heartily recommend it, please go there and check it out and let them know what you think of it. Right. Well, I Where's, guess
0: it's now time since we've gone on for way too long. We've it's gone on for about an hour and a half. We had a lot to right. you know, cover this one. If you have praise, hate mail, hype bombs, small baked goods... You want to send to us? What? Checks! <laughs> Checks are always good. You may drop us a line at Dark at gmail.com. That's better, the letter and the dark at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can leave us a comment on our Potomatic page, which is potomatic.betterinthedark.com Although we're all full up almost on that, so we are definitely going to have to find a new place soon.
1: Yeah, we're going to be hunting around for new um, place.
0: You can always join our, in fact, you got to remember to do this. Because we got it. we want to set up that message board. Okay. But until we get that message board up, you can always join us at the Yahoo mailing group, which is at yahoo.movies.com backslash group. Backslash better in the dark mm-hmm. You've got a whole nice little Buffet of movie there There you go A nice movie This, was a, good, this was a good movie quarter This was a very good movie quarter for us and we,
1: and we haven't even gotten to the rest of the stuff yet Like Speed Racer Which mm-hmm. I'm going to go see tomorrow We've still got Indiana Jones to look forward to yeah, Batten, The Hulk The Dark Knight Punisher, Warzone. Punisher War Zone oh, we got a lot to look forward to
0: So whether you love it or you hate it Whatever you do
1: Go, go see, see that movie,
0: movie. Good night. Take care. God bless. You've been listening to Better in the Dark featuring Thomas D J and Derek Ferguson. Special thanks go out to Desmond Reddick of Dread Media, Chris and Jen of the Amazing Spidercast, the Dork Tones, Uncle Randy and the Drunken Zombie crew, and of course the members of the Better in the Dark Yahoo group at movies.groups.yahoo.com backslash group backslash Better in the Dark. Better in the Dark already has the gas ready for when the apocalypse happens, but can't bring itself to play Adam and the Ants. Previous episodes for the show can be downloaded from betterinthedark.podomatic.com. Send all comments, praise, hate mail, and pipe bombs to dark at gmail.com. That's better, the letter, and the dark at gmail.com. Please vote for us on Podcast Alley. Better in the Dark is a Conspiracy Productions presentation. All material copyright Thomas and Derek Ferguson. Until next time, remember to always keep your keys in your other suit of armor.